This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you for being here today, everybody. When a goal-oriented person discovers the excitement and allure of financial independence, there is little that can stop them from reaching this huge milestone. The intensity and results are multiplied when you have a married couple with a combined six-figure income working towards the same goal. This is a recipe for skyrocketing your net worth and your savings. To demonstrate this type of savings superpower, I've invited Jamila Sufran on the show today. She and her husband partnered together to save over $85,000 in just 12 short months in the year 2016. And then last year, they did it again, another 85,000. <laughs> To give you a little background on Jamila, she is a certified money coach and the resident financial expert on a weekly segment on News 12, which is the most watched local TV news station in New York City. That's big time. (laughs) Jamila has been featured in media outlets like CNBC, CBS, and just recently, a really cool article in BuzzFeed. She's also a mom of two young children and is expecting her third on the way. She does all of this incredible work while holding down a full-time job and growing her side business. During our chat today, we review how she's been so successful in growing her income and building her savings. We also discuss how the women in her family influenced her drive for saving, investing, and entrepreneurship. After our time with Jamila, we're highlighting another Money Master of the Week. But first up, let's get inspired to save and reach financial independence with money coach Jamila Sufran. How's it going, Jamila? It's going great, Andy. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Excellent. Well, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you focus with Journey to Launch? Sure. So I'm Jamila Soufrant, blogger, podcaster, money coach at Journey to Launch. And I'm basically like the everyday person. I'm married. I have two kids, one on the way. My kids are fairly young, three years old, one years old. And I'm expecting in a couple months and my husband's a teacher and I actually work still in corporate America, but I have a passion for personal finance. I have a passion for learning and helping others on their journey because I've been able to accomplish a lot um, with my finances. And I stumbled upon something called financial independence a couple of years ago, the whole thought process of retiring early and having your money work for you. And so I've been following that path and helping others do the same through my content with Journey to Launch. Excellent. I love that. You and I are... Uh similar lifestyle here. We're both working in corporate America, but we love these, uh, these opportunities to reach financial freedom, financial independence, and help our families, you know, reach a higher level. So I'm, I'm excited for you and, and excited to learn more about your story today and share that with everybody. So, so three, one and expecting. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so you, you guys do it like, uh, every two years apart sort of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are two years apart each. They're literally two years apart. So wow. <laughs> like and, and the what, month. When's number three coming? 
May. May. Wow. Right around the corner. Congratulations. That's great news. Family three. You You guys, you guys think you're done after number three or? We are done. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about my husband, but I'm done. I know. Well, you know, our contribution is so minimal to this whole pregnancy thing and it's, you know, (laughs) yeah, you guys do all of the work. Yeah, I was like, I can't. I can't do this again. <laughs> well, cool. Well, congratulations on that. So you mentioned coaching as something that you are a part of. Could you tell us a little bit about the clients that you work with on the coaching side? Sure. So, you know, when I first started Journey to Launch, it was really more just to be a platform to share my story. I didn't have intentions of coaching or doing anything. It was more of just a platform to share my story. And then what started happening is people started to reach out and want to talk to me about how they could accomplish their goals. And with that, I, you know, I went to get some certifications to help me learn how to teach because, you know, it's one thing to understand how to apply personal finance and the tips and topics to yourself, but then how do you help teach others? So I studied that for a bit, learned how to teach others. And then just also through my personal experience. So I helped out a lot of family and friends also with their money. And that's how it kind of morphed into me then coaching and helping other people. Because what I've realized is that for a lot of people, either one, they didn't realize that there was such a thing as financial independence. They thought they'd have to work forever and always be in debt. So when they hear my story, they see someone that's relatable, that that has is doing it, they, you know, it, it encourages them to do it. But then they come to me and sometimes they have debt or, you know, they are struggling with the concepts, which is totally fine because a lot of this stuff we didn't learn in school. Right. And so I find that I have a range of clientele. I have people who come to me and it's primarily mindset. You know, we're working on them, like changing the mindset, believing in themselves. And cause a lot of the money it's really not like it's about money, but it's really about the mindset piece. It's like life and coaching then, too, right? It is. It honestly is. And then um, some of it also is a practical, tactical stuff. So how to budget and pe- keeping people accountable. So keeping my clients accountable. And so I really enjoy uh, talking to my audience and having that one-on-one interaction. And so it's a really um, beneficial for me to be able to like help people in that way. That's great. And you've, you've been, um, uh, presented as an expert on TV as well, right? You've got a you got a regular spot, right? Yeah, so um, I'm on. So I'm in New York, and so the local channel here for news is News Twelve, and so I'm every Wednesday. I am the resident personal slash money expert um, that comes on and I share tips about something. So that's been a great little gig to have and just to share with more people. I'm really excited about that. It's been going great. That's awesome. What great exposure. Very cool. So I want to inspire some more of those people today we're talking about. And, you know, a big part of reaching financial independence and and grabbing a hold of your money and and making a plan is saving early and saving often. And I understand you have been quite the saver. Where, Where did you get that mindset in your life to realize that saving is so important? Where did that come from for you? For me, it was really... I think it's still from watching my single mom. So I was raised by a single mom and she came here from Jamaica. So from the island of Jamaica, my mom and my grandmother immigrated here and they literally had nothing. So they had to come here and really work their way through everything and work menial jobs. My mom worked two, three jobs to provide for me. And so I saw that as a child growing up and she always 
she always, despite not having a lot of money, showed me so much love. And one thing that she used to do was she used to, so my grandmother, she used to watch, um, and she used to watch kids. Like, cause you typically, when you come here from the islands or somewhere without a degree, like the most you can do is usually, um, as an older woman is watch kids or clean houses. So my grandmother would watch kids, um, and she would usually watch the like kids for wealthy people or, you know, upper class. And the one thing that they did, the parents did with those kids was read. And it was all about experiences for those kids. So there were the materialistic things, but then there were just the experiences and spending time and reading. So my mom used to hear those stories and of that, of that reading experience and providing experiences. And she did that for me. So she would take me to the library weekend. And, you know, when she could afford she'd put me in gymnastics class. So I saw that she worked really hard and it was all about experiences. It was all about really not the tangible, like money, like it was about more than that. So with that, it made me realize that money was important. It wasn't the means to everything, but I I do realize that, or I did realize that it really would help me if I did have money, if I was secure financially, how much better of a life I could provide for my family and my future family. And so I saw that and I just, I was just a saver. So whenever, and I got my first job at 14, so I would um, naturally just save my little checks. And what really put me into, I guess, at a really good level or a good starting point was in college, I got a good, a well-paying internship. So I got an internship. I worked every summer in college and they paid for what a college student makes. Typically they paid me good money and I would save like literally like 90% of it. And I didn't know why I was saving it. I just said, you know what? I like seeing my bank account grow. And so I would, if I got a check for $1,200, I would save that a thousand dollars, you know, and I did that for like four summers. And so I graduated with a lot of savings for a college student. And that's really what I think helped me just solidify that. Like I'm just a natural saver that likes to see my money grow. That's incredible. I mean, you, you have to probably look back and just thank your mother so much for instilling those values in your life. Cause it's really made a big difference for you and, you know, and, and strengthening your family tree right now where you are just kind of, you, you see the, you see your family growing from, from that hard work and dedication that your mom put into that and that you are now taking and improving your family. So that, that's incredible. I love that story. So you, you said you graduated from college or finishing college, you saved up a bunch of money. And then I understand you went in and, and uh, invested in real estate too. Is that right? Yeah. So I live in Brooklyn. And so when I graduated, I went to school in Long Island and I knew I wanted to buy something in Brooklyn. But at the time that I graduated, it was like the real estate bubble. Everything was so expensive. And what I did see, so I, you know, I talked about my grandmother and mom not having much. But despite that, my grandmother managed to buy property herself. And she brought it in an area that at the time was not like the best area. But over time, like the property value, the area itself increased so much. And so she was literally like a little little mogul and didn't know it. She just wanted a little piece of real estate. And she ended up investing in something that like literally like almost quadrupled um, by the time we realized like what happened to the market. And so I saw that growing up and I said to myself, if my grandmother could do this, I surely can do something. And so I, when I was in college, like towards my senior year, I started thinking about wanting to buy something, but I was priced out of where I wanted to buy in Brooklyn. I wanted to buy like in Fort Greene and Bed-Stuy areas, which is like, you know, it was getting, it was getting gentrified at that point. So it was very expensive. And the only thing I saw, I saw a commercial for like this studio, like these, these, well, at the time it was just not, it wasn't built yet 
pre-construction, this building in an area called Dumbo, which stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. And I didn't know much about it. Right. I was just like, where is this place? It was literally like 10 minutes from where I grew up, but I just didn't understand where it was. And it wasn't what it is today. So long story short, when I went there, the only thing I could afford, well, I couldn't even really afford it at the time, honestly. But the only thing that seemed reasonable was a studio apartment. And so I put my money down um, for a studio and it took two years to build. And so I had two more years to save up for everything else. So for the remaining down payment and closing costs. And so after graduation in two years, I was able to close on that studio apartment that I moved into for a couple of years and I still own today, but I, I rent it out now. So it's a source of additional income at this point. That's incredible. So your, your, your mother instilled these great savings values. And then your grandmother instilled these real estate mogul values. It's so great. That's cool. Oh, right. Without even knowing it. Like I think for them, it was, I was never, they never taught me money, you know, yeah. like lessons. It was really all unintentional for them. But lucky thing for me is I saw that and I was able to pull from it. Cause you know, there are some people who grew up in those situations and they're, you know, they go the total opposite way. Yeah. Um, so I'm lucky that I, I feel like I, I was able to see the other side to where it benefited me. That's incredible. Well, let, let's talk about, uh, what, what that, um, uh what those values and those learnings have, have netted you. So you, you wrote an article and you've spoken about how you've been able to save quite a bit of money, uh, with, with this type of spirit in your life. Um, in 2016, you were able to save quite a bit of money. Would you mind sharing that with everybody and, and how much you saved? Sure. And so I want to be clear that I, so while I was a good saver compared to my peers, throughout college and I was able to buy a condo, I would say in my twenties, I really was like, I saved, but it wasn't intentional. Um, you know, at that point I kind of figured out I'd have to work for the rest of my life. And I kind of fell into the whole, okay, so I'll just have these expenses. It really wasn't intentional until my early thirties where I discovered financial independence and I was commuting and just, I was just not fulfilled with what I was doing in my career. And I figured that I needed to find another way out, like to figure what I needed to do. And so that's kind of how I stumbled into learning about financial independence and financial freedom. So once I learned about that in my early thirties, that's when I kind of changed the way we saved. So my husband and I, the way we saved and invested. So in 2016 was like the first year that we really changed like everything where we maxed out every account we could, every pre-tax retirement account, every post-tax retirement account. And we were able to save $85,300 together, together that year. That is incredible. That's great. So double income, working hard, saving a lot. And you know, the kids are young, so I think people always say, oh, man, kids are so expensive. But when they're three and one, I mean, it's not like you're, you're signing them up for all these classes and, and traveling everywhere like three and one. You probably don't even want to go anywhere. Right. So- yeah. <laughs> well, I would say this, that, you know, child care is expensive, especially yeah. in New York and also quality child care. And where we are um, lucky is that. We though so where we live now. So once I um gave birth to my first son, we moved into our own home, and we literally have like um a basement apartment, like so it's a full like on entry and all that. And my aunt, who remember I told you like usually you know women who come here and they don't have like their degree or much mm-hmm. like they what they do is they they usually clean houses or they watch children. So my aunt was in that 
that type of field anyway. She watched children and it just so happened she was out of work and we needed someone to watch our son when I was going back to work. And it worked out wonderfully because not only is she my aunt, um, but we had that separate apartment for her to live in. And so we are able to subsidize a bit of what we would typically pay for like market daycare or, you know, expenses because we have, you know, we employ her or we, we, we have her watch our kids. She gets paid still, but then, you know, there's a trade-off because then she's able to have her own place. Um, so it works out wonderfully. So I will say that that's the caveat is that for some people with kids, especially in like a high cost of living area, daycare or while the two parents work can be very, very expensive. Well, I think that's a great situation. You are just demonstrating on this call, on this conversation that family means so much in your life. And that's awesome uh, because that's a great way to go. And, you know, for this family you have in Jamaica, do you guys get to go down there every once in a while during these nasty winters of ours? Or is, there, is anybody still down there? Yeah, I have. Well, so I haven't been in a few, a couple of years, but just because traveling with kids, like you said, there's yeah, just not right. fun. <laughs> so, but I do have, I have brothers down there. I have my grandmother, um, my other grandmother that's down there. I have family there, but I don't get to go as often as I'd like, but I'm hoping, you know, in the next two years we get to go back. That's great. So let's talk about um, saving. You know, you hear the word saving. What what does that mean? What, what, what does saving mean to you? You said you saved $85,300 in 2016. What does, what does saving mean? Right. So I counted or we counted towards that, like what we put into our retirement accounts. And so my husband is a teacher and he has access to two pre-tax retirement accounts. So he has access to a 403B and a 457 plan. And I didn't know about any of that until FI that that was even possible to like contribute to two pre-tax retirement accounts. Like one person could do that if they have that option. And And so that's that's for people who work in government or through the school system, things like that. Is that right? Yeah. So typically it's for people who work in some sort of, um, you know, for the, like a government, like a local government, like if, and a nonprofit. So sometimes hospitals have that too. Um, it all depends um, to check, but typically teachers, that's, you have that um, option. If you're a teacher, you have through your school system, through, you know, your four three B account. And then the, your city or state typically has like a 457 plan that also helps city, and city or government workers also additionally save. So you were taking advantage of, or you are taking advantage of both of those with your husband. Yeah. So we discovered that we can do that. And so that 85,000 really half, almost half of that was pre-tax retirement accounts. So we were able to max out my 401k, then max out, um, his or nearly max out his 457 plan and his 403b plan. And I did. And so and for the just a simple um, case of, of everything, I also, we counted um, like the back. So we did backdoor Roth IRAs. Okay. Um, so we maxed those out. The two of everybody or each person gets 5,500. Can you tell people what a backdoor Roth IRA is or how do you, how you guys did that this year or last year? Sure. So typically with the Roth IRA, everyone has access to a, a Roth IRA if you're under a certain income limit. Mm-hmm. And so because we fell out or we made more than that income limit, you can do something called a backdoor Roth IRA where, and it's legal. It's not, it's not illegal. Right. It sounds um, like it's illegal, it's, but it's not. Yeah, right? I know. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a tax, it's a back, it's a basically a tax loophole. And again, this is one of the things that I find that the wealthy people do that a lot, right. They find ways to make tax law and things work for them. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things, if you don't know it, then you won't know how to do this stuff. But basically what you do is if you are outside of the income limit, you can do something called a backdoor Roth IRA which is where you fund a traditional RRA, but then roll it into a um, Roth IRA, you know, 
really quickly. So like the next day or the same day. Um, and again, it's legal. It's that's just a loophole that the tax system provides for you if, to take advantage of. Right. So that's after tax retirement um, accounts, basically. And then some of that money also was made up of we funded 529 accounts for our two sons at the time. And then we began index investing. And then I counted also paying additional principal on my mortgage, on our mortgage. You know, I don't count the like regular mortgage principal, but the additional payments we started to make in 2016, I counted. So all of that together, um, which I can, you know, if you if you do show notes, I can send it to the article yeah, that I did. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, comes out to about that year, 85,300. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's, you know, taking advantage of these tax advantage accounts, everybody. I mean, that's what we're talking about here because not only you get to the benefit of being a saver and then putting yourself in a good position for retirement, but you're saving on the nasty taxes that we have to pay. And again, I mean, Jamila was just talking about it. These are all the things that the wealthy people are doing. So we all need to be doing it to, to become wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Very cool. And I understood that that continued into 2017. I, we're, this show is uh, more than likely going to be out around the springtime or, or March timeframe. Uh, so at that point, you're going to have 2017 pretty wrapped up. So are, are you still crunching those numbers since we're recording this in January? Or do you have a good idea of where your savings level went for 2017? Well, I did. I, I, I have my numbers that I calculated. Maybe there's a bit of slight movement, but it's about 84,000 that we did in 2017. And we actually, I was actually targeting like (laughs) 93,000. I was targeting more, but I will say that, um, you know, we did as much as we could. We maxed out everything again with the pre-tax accounts and did some additional mortgage payments and did some index investing, but, um, we didn't, we weren't able to save as much in like the 520. We didn't save really anything in the 529 account or, um, push it as hard as we could because one, my son, we put him in a Catholic school. So that cost money. And then, yeah. And then at the time we just had just more expenses come up. Um, so it just, it just didn't like, it's, Really, it sounds obnoxious to say like we didn't reach our goal of ninety three thousand dollars because we yeah, still think, saved a lot. I think you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing okay, but um, yes, we did not save as much, but we definitely are very proud of just the continual um saving rate that we were able to accomplish. Well, that's incredible. And you you've talked about financial independence a few times, so could you tell us what that means to you and why that's important? Sure. So financial independence, I mean, it can be described in a lot of ways, and. There are people who, you know, can argue to the hill about what it like really means to someone. But for me, what it means is having enough assets to and passive income to cover your expenses so that you don't have to actively work for money. And it's important to me because while I like I value work. So the idea isn't to for me to retire or not work forever because I would go crazy, right? It's more about not being dependent on an employer or someone that can just like pull the rug from out of my under my feet and then, you know, I'd be stuck or just destitute. And so for me it's really important that I create that that situation, especially being a mom. And this is why I think for me, it really kicked everything into high gear. Cause it's once I became a mom and realized how much time, like I was having to spend away from my kids and that I still have to spend, cause I'm still working, spend away from my kids and they're pretty young and, you know, having to ask for time off and the commute. So my, the other thing I didn't mention yet is my commute is really insane. It's about an hour and a half on Oof. a good day, one way. <laughs> and so, you know, um, 
for me, I just don't want to do this or do that. I don't want to have to do it for years to come. I want to have the option that if I wanted to walk away or if I wanted to spend more time with my kids, which is what, you know, ultimately is what I want to do. I want to be able to do that. So that's why it's super, super important for me to figure out a way to reach financial independence or at least figure out a way to to um, do what I love, uh, which is journey to launch and help others, you know, serve serve others while doing that while still trying to reach my goals um, of financial independence. Now let's jump back to the show. How are you planning to do this? How are you planning to reach financial independence? And and I guess, where are you in this process as well? Mm -hmm. So when I first started, my initial plan was to do it by the time I reached 40. And I also like to clarify that in our financial independence plan, my husband is still going to work. And that's because he wants to. I'm not making him work. (laughs) But I know sometimes people look at it as both the people, you know, they're both working towards it. But, um, you know, he's a teacher. He enjoys what he does and he gets the summers off. Like for him, he's happy to be actually be out the house (laughs) and not with our crazy kids, Um, you know, on a day to day basis. Like for him, like that's like his passion. And so he's fine with that. So what it involves is us. What I thought it involved was us working aggressively, saving aggressively for six years to the point where we'd have enough saved up to um, almost put our investments on autopilot. Like if we never invested again after the age of 40, like it will grow to beyond what we needed. And then because my husband would still be working, we'd really be only um, needing to live off of his income. Mm -hmm. But I would say that because he's a teacher um, in New York City, you know, for us, and we have a mortgage still. So one of our goals was to pay off that mortgage so that that's our biggest expense. And so if we were able to get rid of that, then we'd be able to comfortably live on his income. And then I would still, you know, follow my passions, hopefully do journey to launch full time. And if I made money, amazing, you know, great. Um, but it wouldn't be something where it's like, I have to like go back to work. I have to make money because we'd have our investments working for us and growing, but we'd be living on his income. And then hopefully I'd be, you know, bringing in supplemental income, if not replacing my corporate income at some point. That's great. And then, and you said, um, so your, your plan was six years and now where, where do you think you, where do you think you are? So my plan was six years and, you know, there's, I would say that right now we're pivoting a bit because I'm pregnant with, you know, the two kids and I don't know if I can last six years. And so, you know, I don't know um, exactly how long I have left in me to do what I'm doing, but I do know that it's not sustainable, Um, you know, working full time to commute the kids and you know, journey, as you know, you have, you have your, your business, like it's a full, it's a full-time job too. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. Um, so what I'm primarily focusing on now is building up my FU money. So tell tell people um, what that is. (laughs) So essentially it is just a, just a reserve, uh, you know, a cash reserve or funds that are accessible to you where if, if you needed to leave your current situation, your job or whatever, you had the room, you have the room to do that. Mm. Um, so for us right now, it's, um, about just, um, saving as much cash, um, and money into a accessible account as possible. So that way, when the time comes, if I said before, you know, before the six year mark, if the time comes where I said to myself or say to my husband, look, I cannot do this anymore. Like, you know, maybe we, um, I need to just take like a break and, um, that's kind of, I want the option to be able to do that. Right. So focus on your business and grow it. During yeah. Yeah. Cause it's my, it's my passion. I feel like, you know, I'm, it's where I'm 
the where I do my best work and I really do feel like that this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of the goal. So when so it might take longer than six years now, because if I take a break to to do this, you know, or to just take a break and be home with my kids, then we won't be able to save and invest as much as we did. But what feels wonderful is that at least for two years, we were aggressively like saving and investing in that way where like it, it, it does put us on, a, you know, it, it hyper drove our net worth and our investments so much just from those two years of doing that. So if we do have to take a break, it's like, you know what, if I have to go back to work or if it takes a little bit longer just for my sanity to have just like a break, um, it would be well worth it. Yeah. And, and so it sounds like since you've been able to save, like you said, on hyperdrive there, if you did stop investing uh, during that time where you said, Hey, I'm going to take a little break. You guys would probably have enough come 59 and a half or, you know, retirement time to be set. Right. Mm-hmm. And I crunched all the numbers. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Numbers well, t- tell us about that with my spreadsheet. So, um, and again, there's just some things too, just to like out of respect for my current situation. Like I can't really, you know, talk about too much sure, because yeah. I do enjoy, you know, I do respect and enjoy, um, my, who I work with and my employer. Um, but I have crunched the numbers to say, okay, if I were to necessarily walk away next year or in Mm -hmm. two years, and if we were, you know, stopped investing in the 401ks, because now we're investing in cash to have that, you know, money to cover us, uh, how would that look? How would our money grow by the time we really needed it? And I mean, the priority is cash flow, right? So we have kids and we have a house, a mortgage. And so it's important for us to, to cover that right now. Um, so the main priority is figuring out how can we do that? And again, my husband is a teacher, so it's not like, you know, he, he, he does a lot to try to increase his income. He works extra, like, um, he does coaching and he does morning school. Sometimes he does summer school. So he is supplementing his income. So it helps, but it's still not, you know, if we were to lose my income, that's going to be a big deal. So the priority is figuring out how to cash flow our expenses and keep them reasonable, but without um, feeling too deprived. But yet it's necessary if that's what we, if, if we think it's important for me to be able to take that break. Well, these are incredible goals and they're, they're inspiring to me and I'm sure to a lot of people out there too. So let, let's assume, let's assume you guys get to that point and you're financially independent. Your, your husband keeps on working because he enjoys it. You grow your business because you enjoy it. How do you, how do you feel that would change your life as a mother? Hmm. Oh gosh. I think I would, I think I'd be, I'd be more, I'd, I'd, I'd just be more at peace and fulfilled because what's happening now is like, I am drained by the time I get home Mm -hmm. from work. And, you know, so then, and my kids are both boys. They both have so much energy and they're both excited, very excited to see me as, as as I am excited to see them. And, you know, sometimes I just get a little like sad because I don't have the energy. And part of it is I am pregnant. (laughs) So we got to add that That into the mix that, you know, that, you know, so it's just like, I am just tired, but, um, you know, I, I figure, and I know like I am doing journey to launch as my second full-time job. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be, even if this is what I do full-time, I know it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy either. Right. It's going to be hard work. But I just think not having to spend those hours in the car, um, working on what I want to work on and, and my passion, I think I would just make me more fulfilled and happier, which would then in turn benefit my husband and my kids. Cause I'll just be a happier person and I won't feel as tired and stressed out as I, as I kind of feel now. So a little bit more peace in your day, a little less stress, being able to design your day around the things that you want to do 
instead of uh, being in traffic. I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I would say this, the traffic I would, I mean, that's how I found podcasts is I spent so much time in my car that I listened to so many podcasts and that's how I found out about like financial independence and personal finance. So I would say that it's definitely, I mean, I learned a lot <laughs> and it inspired me to start my own podcast. So, but I think I've learned, I paid my dues in that area. You're good now. You'll listen to them on your own time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very cool. Well, uh, let's, um, let's give some people some advice on, on getting to where you are. I I always like to ask, um, you know, more often than not, there's, there's a book that kind of influenced you to kind of get you into this, into the financial independence journey, as well as just your savings journey. I understand your mother was very influential in that and your grandmother as well. Was there any books that you were, uh, that you read that kind of jumped you into, um, financial independence or, or just your, you know, your ability to save like you have? Mm, um, so I would say like, it's all like the, maybe the most things that people have heard about before, like rich dad, poor dad, and, um, you know, like the, those kind of books. And, but I would say a book that I actually read a couple, like a recently or a couple years ago, which I thought really just drove home. The point was by Thomas Stanley, stop acting rich. Yeah. I like that. And one. yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool because it just showed that, you know, in society, there's so many people who are pretending to be, or trying to simulate looking like they have money when really the wealthy people or people who have money don't, you know, you can barely tell. Um, so I just love that because it really just drives home the point of if you're going to spend on things, which is, you know, I, I'm not super, super frugal. We're not a super like frugal family. Um, but we, we do watch how we spend. It's just that you can, you can buy things and enjoy things. Just understand that why you're doing it, you know, are you doing it? Cause there's a lack of, um, security. There's a lack of just, how you feel about yourself and you want to impress others and you think it, it gives you value or do you want to do it because you want to do it? Because if, if it's really to impress other people or to give yourself worth, like that's the wrong way to go about, to go about it. Cause you don't need those things to give you that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great book and great advice there. Um, if, if people could take one action away from today to become a crazy saver, like you have, what's one action that you could uh, leave with them today? And maybe that would head them on that, uh, that journey to financial independence, like you have. Mm-hmm. I would say, so depending on your investment, if you work at a job and you have a 401k, or if you're in a case where you're, you know, you have access to a 403b or 457 plan, and they have good options, right? Because like some some accounts or some retirement plans, like they're like the fees are crazy or whatever. But for in our case, we have actually a, a access to funds with like low fees, and they're pretty good. So if you can figure out um, that you have access to like a four hundred one k or a pre tax retirement account that's pretty decent then just look into like the benefits of trying to max that out as much as possible. Like to me, the goal, and I understand again, that not everyone, um, you know, has the income to do this, but if you're making a certain amount and you can actually like max out your like pre-tax retirement account and like a Roth IRA, like that is an amazing like goal to have. Um, and, and imagine like just two people, like, so you have a household of two adults doing that, like that, sets you so far ahead. So, um, in order to do that though, you would have to budget and understand now, okay, where is my money going? What am I willing to sort of cut back or give up in order to make this possible? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it sounds real nice. Yeah. Just max it out. Right. But there's those steps that you have to take in order to realize, Hey, in order to, in order to make this happen, 
I need to see how I'm spending my money currently and then see what I can cut back on in order to, you know, plan for tomorrow because a lot of people are living for today and that's okay. But you know, Mm -hmm. retirement's going to be right around the corner and you're either going to have the money to enjoy it or you're going to, you're going to work until you're 80. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's about finding that balance. I mean, I, I, when I brought this idea to my husband, I mean, he told, it's not like he was like, yeah, let's do this. Like it was, it was kind of a shock for him because we weren't, you know, we weren't saving as much and we had more disposable income before. And so I like the questions I asked him were, were, you know, what type of lifestyle would make you happy now? So what are the things that you do value spending on? And for us, it's not now because it's cold and it's crazy outside, but in New York, but when it's nice outside, we enjoy going out to eat, you know, but again, we have kids. So that helps us not go because they're crazy. (laughs) But for us, it was still kind of going out and enjoying, you know, um, mojitos, right. At our favorite little outdoor place. Right. So we, so things like that make us in, like, we have fun doing that. And so we wanted to make sure in our budget, we still had like room to still go out and enjoy those things. But then on the other hand, I asked him, okay, but what type of lifestyle do you foresee us having where, you know, when we're older, like, cause he has the option to actually retire at 55, which is still earlier than the standard age. Yeah. And get a pension. And so on top of all of what we're doing. And so for him, it was just like, he would like to be comfortable and travel and do all these things. So it's just like finding that balance of, okay, let's, let's live a good life now reasonably and set ourselves up to live a good life later. Right. Let's not like rob from either side. Let's try to balance and do both. That's a great advice. And I love how you position that too, with your husband about not just saying, hey, here's something that I listened to a podcast on and read some books on. Let's do it, honey, because that never works. Um, you talk to him about what's important to him and what kind of life he envisions his perfect day. You know, what, what is your perfect day, honey? And it sounds like you guys had those conversations and that kind of inspired him to, to jump along this journey with you. So super, super great advice. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Jamila. Where can people follow you and learn more about uh, your journey to launch? <laughs> sure. So uh, you can listen to my podcast, Journey to Launch. It's on iTunes, um, YouTube. It's anywhere where you listen to podcasts, Stitcher. And you can go to my site, journeytolaunch.com, and check out my blog. I haven't been able to write as much lately, but I want to get back into that hopefully this year. Also, um, I'm on all social media as Journey to Launch. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Journey to Launch. And then I have a private Facebook group if you want to come over and connect with me a bit more on Facebook, um, Journey to Launch. You can just type that in Facebook or go to journeytolaunch.com slash community. Excellent. Well, I'll put all that information in the show notes. And everybody, just to let you know, Jamila's podcast is awesome. Not only is she sharing great information like what she shared today, but she also interviews experts that are you know, experts in how to, how to get a side hustle going, how to save like she is, how to plan for financial independence. It's all really inspiring stuff. So I definitely check it out and I will put it in the show notes. So thank you so much, Jamila. I really appreciate you joining us today and uh, you have a great evening. Thanks so much, Andy. Jamila's dedication and drive to take her family to the next level is so inspiring The the Soufrant clan is headed towards financial independence And I love how she's inspiring others to do the same through her money coaching and her podcast and blog. It's it's very inspiring. One of the biggest takeaways for me when I was listening to Jamila speak was about her strong family connection and how they inspired her to get this background that she has, this financial prowess that she's developed. Her mother 
came to this country as a single mom and worked those two to three jobs at a time to provide for her family. And Jamila, she saw that hard work that her mom was putting in and that helped her to influence her to be the hard worker that she is now. And secondly, her grandmother influenced her desire for investing in real estate and showed her the power of passive income. And that inspired Jamila to do it herself as well. And even now, her husband, they've partnered together to save big money and invest for the future, and they are going to achieve their family financial goals. That type of partnership and that family legacy is what it's all about. Jamila is taking the success that her grandmother and her mother worked so hard to achieve, and she's building on it. That family tree is growing, and the way Jamila talks, I don't think there's anything that can stop her. Now it's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Tess from Minnesota called in to share a life-changing victory that she's just had. Here's Tess. My big financial win this week was paying off my credit card debt. I'm 48, and this is the first time I've had zero credit card debt since college. For years, I thought I was doing great by doing two things, paying my bills on time each month and contributing enough to my 401k to get the company match. I didn't establish an emergency fund or save for purchases ahead of time. Credit cards were my go-to solution. About three years ago, the company I had worked for for over 20 years went under and I was laid off. I started at another company, but I no longer loved working. I started dreaming of retiring early. That's when I discovered the FI community, and I learned there is a better way to manage money. My priorities changed. Instead of figuring out what I could purchase next, I focused on paying off debt. Now that my credit cards are paid off, I'm turning my attention to my car loan. I hope to have it paid off by the end of the year. Three months ago, I changed companies, and I enjoy working again. However, I still dream of retiring early. If you're interested in following my financial progress, feel free to visit ahalfstick.com. Being part of the FI community helps me stay motivated. Thanks, Andy, for your support. The financial independence, or FI community, as Tess put it, is growing, and Tess is in. She is in. She's all in. She's done with living for today and settling for mediocre. She's done with credit card debt and ready to take on that car loan. Just like Jamila, Tess is laser-focused on her goals, and there's nothing that can stop her either. As you heard from Tess, you can follow her on her debt destruction path at ahalfstick.com. Tess, thanks so much for connecting, and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a financial victory that you want to share on the show? please email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. Additionally, if you have any questions that you would like to feature on this show, I would love to help you. Those shows have been extremely popular. We've been doing those at the, which is the, uh, the first show of the month, first Monday of the month. 
And we've been answering, I think it's about five now we've featured. So I would love to continue to do that. Um, I'm getting some great questions as they fly in, but uh, I just wanted to throw it out there. If anybody else has questions they want me to answer on the podcast, please send it my way. I guess, again, those same routes, Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And you can go anonymous if you want to. You can make up a name or just say, I want to go anonymous, Andy. (laughs) But uh, your question could really help somebody out in a similar situation. I know a lot of people who listen to the show, they're married, they've got kids, they're, they're, they want to learn about money, and uh, we're all sharing this, uh, this similar path. So feel free to write in or call in if you can use a voicemail, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And lastly, you'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 73. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Edmund Burke. If we command our wealth, we shall be rich and free. If our wealth commands us, we are poor indeed. Let's command our wealth, everyone. Carpe diem. 